Welcome to episode five of the Drop-In Sessions, brought to you by Mermaid Gin. We've had some amazing guests so far, and it's been super hard for me to stem my excitement with the next guest we have in store for you. Cassia Meador truly moves to the beat of her own drum with the stylish grooves that come from sensei-esque levels of surf mastery, beautiful creative work, general ratness, and excellent energy. The California-based longboarder, once aptly called the queen of nose riding by the New York Times, is a surfer who is truly iconic a central nucleus, if you will, of longboarding and the beautiful culture and business that surrounds it. When her career took off as a teen, she was surfing Malibu First Point, where her stylish steps and moves were quickly catching the eye of fellow longboard Jedis of the likes of Joel Tudor. Cassia's name is synonymous with effortless style, with a stoke and grace that's captivating, near magical. She surfed the World Longboard Tour as a young adult, is the founder of Cassia Surf, a badass women's wetsuit company that truly shook shit up in the industry, runs her own rad retreats, is a musician, and has been immortalized in cinematic creations of the likes of The Heart and the Sea, Roost and Sprout. Cassia puts out some stellar creative work into the world, and I, as a bonafide fan, am so amped to welcome this beautiful soul to the drop-in sessions. Cassia Meadol, welcome to the drop-in sessions. How are you? Oh my gosh. It Well, first of all, thank you so much for such a sweet introduction. I don't think that I have ever been uh, so wonderfully introduced, Sophie, and thanks for <laughs> dropping in with me. I'm so excited to be here and have a chat. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you as a guest. And I meant every single word I said, so the intro is all true. <laughs> And um, like, tell me, where can we find you in this beautiful world of, our, world of ours right now? Like, what's cooking? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it is such a stunning place. I just got back from Austin, Texas, which for mm-hmm. a mermaid, I was pleasantly surprised that there was so much water around, not salty water, fresh water. It was stunning and gorgeous. And and now I just got back to Los Angeles, California. I hear that there's some beautiful little south swells at Malibu right now. So I'm excited to get to the beach later today. And uh, yeah, looking forward to some upcoming little surfing and camping retreats that I have at San Onofre, which is an iconic place, as you know, um, with my friend Leah Dawson and Michaela Smith for Salty Sensations. All right. Well, that is a very rad summary of what's going on in your life and like almost kind of what I envisaged in my head. And um, I have to tell you straight off the bat, you've been like a massive source of inspiration to me for many, many years. Um, I think I mentioned just before we hit record, I used to work at Kula magazine many moons ago. And when I first got longboarding and started longboarding, I was just like so astounded and amazed by women like you Aaron Ashley, Jen Smith, Kalia, I was just like, wow, check these women out and like, look how they ride their boards and look at the style and grace and just general badassery. Um, You all really have such an impact on me. That makes me so happy to hear. I mean, there's so many incredible women surfing and really, you know, it's like, it's funny to think about because the origin of surfing from the ancient Hawaiians, they talk about it being the sport of queens, and it truly is. And I think that it's really embodying that in the grace of longboarding and what and how women and men too, you know, there's like this graceful femininity in longboarding that's so beautiful. And it's just such an exciting time. It's like when we first started doing it, there was like a smaller collective of us that were kind of out there doing it in that way. And more and more, especially through those Roxy Jams over in France, you know, um, it just started building more and more. And now the women in the water, it is so exciting to see. It's like I paddled out two weeks ago at Malibu with a friend who had never surfed Malibu before. There was so many more women than men out there. We were all hooting and hollering, party waving. It was just so amazing to be a part of. And and my friend Kathy, she's from the East Coast. She's like, oh my gosh, is it like this all the time? And no, it's not like that all the time. That said, it's getting more and more like that. You know, it's it's just so beautiful to see so many people embracing themselves, embracing the ocean and empowering themselves by the dance that is surfing. Mm-hmm. Really it really is so amazing, right? I've also noticed just like how many women are so stoked on surfing right now, just specifically longboarding actually. And just like 
how the uptakes just like skyrocketed in like the last few years. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's like when we were doing those Roxy jams in Europe, I just saw it growing and there was a venue for the ladies to actually put their energy forward and start to kind of focus on something, you know? And I think it was like, you know, from that point onward at that time, like really the women had something and the guys didn't have like a larger venue in the world. And we're really seeing, I think that started something and it just expanded from there. And it's just like the whole like newer generation and generations of surfers and and female surfers that have come from that guys too. I mean, I think like longboarding in general is really, it's in full bloom from the seeds that like, I think, you know, the, the films that Thomas Campbell made and what Joel Tudor was doing and what we were all doing at that time, you know, this was like what, 20, 25 years ago, those seeds are now like in full bloom for what we're witnessing in the longboard world. And it's such a beautiful spring. That is such a beautiful analogy. And I completely agree with you. It just feels like Long bodies, long bodies had this renaissance and yeah, the seeds that were cultivating maybe from when you were a teenager of just like erupted and blooming. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful spring. And it's also just like captivated the general public too. We've seen WSL reintroduce the World Longboard Tour. People are just loving riding like classic surfcrafts and there's this appetite for like classic surf culture and movies and looking to the icons and Joel Tudor winning a world war title again, um, world longboard title last year. It just feels like, yeah, it's just completely mushroomed into this amazing thing right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just so exciting to see. And, and I think that's also what it is, is that longboarding is attainable. Longboarding is really embracing the whole lifestyle that is surfing and surf culture. It's not just something you go do. It's a bigger, it's like, okay, there's the element of surfing and actually getting on a wetsuit or not a wetsuit, depending on where you live and getting in the water and actually surfing and riding waves. And then there's the whole energy and lifestyle that surrounds it. And that's being with friends, being at the beach, enjoying nature, getting some sun, maybe bringing a picnic down, people playing music and having a vibe. And really it's that vibe that I think is like, people want to spend time doing that. I want to spend time doing that. That's like what inspired me to surf. It wasn't only the actual aspect of surfing. It was everything that was like like encapsulated in that whole lifestyle. That, that romantic energy of like going on an adventure and camping with friends and being like on the side, like who knows where you are and like sharing these moments that really are what make up life. And that's what's so special, having those memories. Uh, so beautifully leads me to my next question too. And I think you once said surfing's not a sport, um, it's a lifestyle. And I really love that quote. I think I found that somewhere you said maybe in an interview 10 years ago or so. Is that what you still feel? And I think that as, you know, a longboarder or an athlete, you straddled so beautifully the world of free surfing and lifestyle and the creative side of longboarding, but also had your toes firmly in competitive side as well for quite a while. Absolutely. It's really that lifestyle element that kept me going back to surfing. I think that, like, I really... You know, I honor the spirit of competition, I think, because it really propels people forward and pushes, you know, pushes people in a different way. It gives them like a vessel to actually expand something um, and a reason to do so. That said, the energy of competition is not something that inspires me. It's really the energy of collaboration that I get inspiration from. Um, I think the venue is great and it's essential and it's important, you know, to progress things. That said, it's really that collaborative energy and that everybody being together and like, we're all like watching the next heat. And if there's good waves and people are surfing good, we're like on the beach pumped, you know, like fired up that people are pushing the limits and that's what's exciting, you know? And I think that that's, that's the energy that, that keeps me coming back is that collaborative nature of also what surfing is, you know, I think that Mm. that's something that's so sweet about longboarding is that everybody's cheering for each other. Even like the young kids now, it's like, 
you know, you have that, you know, Khalees and still Kalia is now like one of the older girls in that crew, you know, from that, you know, in Honolulu. And they're, they're all out there like cheering for each other and pumped, which is what we were doing as kids. And that's what's really exciting to see in that competitive arena. And then also to see, you know, everybody really supporting each other and traveling together and, and really also embracing that lifestyle that I think is so, you know, it's, it's that, that romance of what surfing and surf lifestyle is and, and what I saw in the early Gidget movies that made me want to go down to the beach. You know, I want to go hang out and have a fire and play some music and wake up on the sand and see perfect waves and go surfing. That romance is really important. You know, it's like, there's no screens. We're not looking down at something. We're looking up and and really witnessing what's happening in front of us and, and being a part of it. That is so awesome. And just like, yeah, the, the romance of it is you're just capturing that so beautifully. And if you've never narrated a book before, I feel like you should really do that because you just have such a good turn of phrase and voice for it. So yeah, I feel like maybe that should be something you explore. And I love it. Thank you. <laughs> and just kind of like talking about lifestyle again and like dialing back the clock. And you said that really drew you and starting to surf. Um, from my understanding, you started surfing in Malibu, right? Like, how did it all start? Like, take me back. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in the valley. I was a valley kid surrounded by concrete. Um, And the valley was just over the hill. So Malibu, technically, it was like 14 miles away down a windy road that was called Decker Canyon from where I lived. Um, As a crow flies, it wasn't very far. It took about 30 minutes to get to the beach. And it was, I would wake up in the valley and some days it would be 90 degrees at like 7 a.m., you know, which is probably like, I don't know, like 30 or 40 degrees Celsius. I'm not totally sure. Hot, right? And I would just be dreaming of the ocean. And I was like watching these old movies, the Gidget movies. And I was like listening to the Beach Boys. And I was like, man, this is just so epic. And we'd go down to the beach because my dad would surf a little bit as well. And you know, we go down to the beach and I was always like, I just want to do this all the time. And as a kid, it was far. So I started doing junior lifeguards one summer. And that's when I met Julie Cox and my crew. And we all started going to the beach and we spent the entire summer at the beach. You know, she was like a junior, my junior lifeguard instructor. She also lived in the valley. She would drive us to the beach. She now owns uh, Traveler Surf Outpost, which is a bunch of surf clubs up and down the California coast. And, you know, we were just all like hanging and sleeping in caves, sleeping at the campsite the entire summer and just surfing and running and swimming and like seeing whales and seeing dolphins and learning about the ocean and the language that is really, I, I feel like, you know, I teach a lot of surfing now with our surf retreats, and I really feel like there's this language with the ocean that actually is what surfing is. It's this dialogue with something that's the biggest element of nature that we're having, and that's really truly surfing, and and that's something that takes time. And so at that time in my life, I had this opportunity in this entire summer to embrace myself and immerse myself in that entire language. It's like you go to a place and you want to learn a new language. They're like, just go be in the culture and talk with people, move there. And I felt like I moved there to the beach that summer. And ever since then, that's where I have been at the beach. Like the beach feels mostly like my home. And that's where I feel the most at home, no matter where I am in the world. So um, that was kind of it. And then I started surfing all the time. And then my dad started taking me surfing with him and he started surfing more. I was like his surf buddy. And then I, from there, went to Malibu and started surfing and the whole crew. And we had a palapa at the time and they really embraced me and brought me in. And it felt like my family. You know, it felt very familial in that way. And it was, I mean, I feel so grateful to have been around in the late 90s, early 2000s during that time. It was epic. Nobody had phones. Nobody had anything. We'd just sleep on the beach and surf all day. That was just like the most dreamy image of like how it was back then. And I'm just like imagining you as a kid in this setting and then surfing in Malibu. And like, what was it like growing up surrounded by some of the icons of surfing because I think I understand you're a close friend of Joel Tudor and like were you just this little kid like a little sponge just absorbing everything you know hanging out with 
the senseis of longboarding at the time. Totally. I mean, I remember getting dropped off at the beach at Malibu when I was 15 years old. And at first I would just get dropped off and I'd be like in my little wetsuit all day and I'd have my little lunch with me and I would just be down the shore. And everybody was like, who's this kid who's just like in their wetsuit all day down by the shore, you know? And this was the year after I did junior lifeguards when I was 14. So I'm 15 years old. They invite me in to come hang out at the Palapa. And on good days, some of our surf legends like Joel would come down and Josh Farbro and Dylan Jones and Jimmy Gamboa and Brittany Leonard and, you know, Carla Rowland was there and, you know, Ashley Lloyd, like everybody, all the greats, Lance Carson would come down and surf, you know? Um, I mean, watching Lance Carson, he was one of the greats, you know, still a shaper and just like one of the, the people, you know, it's like Herbie Fletcher would come and all these incredible surfers that were iconic and legendary in their own way. Dane Peterson, you know, we were all kids at that time. But really, it's like I learned to surf by watching all these amazing people surf. And then also, they didn't really give me any slack. They would also be like, oh, you did that and that was goofy or try this. Like, I remember I was like backside at Malibu trying to make the section once one summer and I was, you know, being backside, I had like more on my front toes. And I remember Josh Farbro paddling by me and just being like, Cass, switch stance or go parallel. It'll help you make that section. And I was like, whoa. So that's one of the things I do a lot of is that switch stance, like that low crouch switch stance, you know, like a Strauss five, but in a switch stance form. And so being around such great surfers and getting them to getting to watch them do their thing and then like actually like adapting my own style for it was so huge and i really think that it helped to propel me really quickly i had like a very vertical trajectory because of that opportunity to see the greats do it mm-hmm. so in this setting a very young cassia then so you Started a partnership with Roxy really, really young as a team rider. I knew a part of their family for many years. And then it was also was it on a trip to Australia that you connected with Donald Takayama and that kind of like like snowballed this whole new phase of you and you became, you turned pro. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it's like I was putting all my energy, all my love into surfing, all my free time. I mean, it was, you know, where I felt the most myself and it's where... I also felt like life made sense. I felt like like the linear the linear trajectory of like school and this and that and the other just wasn't my vibe. But for some reason, surfing made sense to me. I never thought I was going to be a pro surfer. I was just like working my butt off. I had a bunch of jobs. I was going to school as a kid, you know, and I was like, I just want to travel. And my parents were always like, if you make your own money, you can do what you want. If you get good grades in school, you can do what you want. I was like, sweet. So I had like all these jobs, you know, I went to Costa Rica and then I told my parents like, hey, I want to go to Australia, to Noosa and like do that. So that was my second trip. And I saved up all my little pennies. I like would get rolled quarters. I opened a bank account and I went to Noosa and I remember paddling out at Tea Tree Bay and I got a really fun wave. And then here comes my idol, you know, Joel Tudor, the best, you know, Birdman himself. And I'm like, hey, Joel, what's up? Obviously, I knew him from Malibu and I got a good wave by him. And he was paddling out with Donald Takayama and Jeff Hackman, Mr. Sunset. And I got a really sweet wave by them. And then apparently, you know, Donald asked Joel who I was. And Joel's like, oh, yeah, Cassia, she's some kid at Malibu. You know, she's surfing there all the time. And so I was traveling with my mom on that trip. You know, we were all little kids and I was there. It was like Tracy and Chad, the brothers Marshall, and we were all just like little kids, you know? And uh, so Donald went and asked my mom, hey, is it cool that I talk to your daughter? Obviously, she's like a young kid. And my mom's like, yeah, go talk to her. She's right there. And he came up to me and he's like, hi, I'm Donald Takayama. And, and, you know, I saw you get a great wave and I'd love to make you a surfboard. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, A, one of my heroes. Of course, I know who Donald Takayama is. Um, And he was making the boards for Joel Tudor, my other hero. And he wanted to make me a surfboard. And I was freaking out. I was like, it was like the most exciting moment of my life. And 
basically from that point on, I went, I got back to California. I got my driver's license. I drove down to Oceanside. I got that surfboard. He made me a, a two plus one, a tri fin nose rider, a nine two. I rode it as a single fin at the Roxy Sea Street contest. And that's when Jeff Hackman had told the Roxy people, hey, this kid, watch for her. I won that contest. And Randy Hild and uh, Kenna Bartell at the time, they were like, you know, the VP and, you know, the people at Roxy came up to me and they were like, we would like to sponsor you. And I was like, what? It all happened really fast. And from that moment on, I just started traveling and surfing and, you know, having the opportunity to like live my dreams. It was the best thing ever. I moved down to Oceanside so I could be close to Donald. He taught me so much about life and aloha and what that was, you know, um, and what that is and what that energy is. And and really, too, like embracing everybody. We would all meet up at Oceanside Harbor or we'd all meet up at his shop right there at the boulevard. And there'd be like 10 of us and we'd go surfing and he would take us all out to brunch after or to the casino because he felt like gambling and he'd give us all money to go play the slot machines. It was just like such a cool time, such a dream, you know, really all of it was so radical. Uh, it's, so, it's so cool hearing you talk about that. It really sounds like such a magical time. And I really love how you like describe the respect you have, but it's almost like respect for our elders, you know, and just the power of absorbing wisdom from those figureheads, like I've had the same in my surfing life. Like I've got these like powerful role models, you know, and it's like, I'll never ever discount the impact that had on me and what they taught me. And it's not just like learning how to surf, but like the beautiful culture around it and the magic and the vibe and talking about that connection to nature at the beginning. It's like you get exposed to those powerful moments. And I think it's, it's really cool that you kind of talk about that with, some pretty impressive elders in your life who <laughs> were sharing some powerful and beautiful wisdom. Oh, it was so cool. And I think that that's what's so interesting and cool also about surfing that really, you know, it hasn't been around that long. We still have access to these people that were some of like, you know, the godfathers and the godmothers of this beautiful lifestyle and sport of surfing that we have access to. You know, it's like Linda Benson, first woman to ever surf Waimea amazing. We can go meet up with her and surf with her in the water. And she's out there with all the rest of us. You know, it's like, you know, having a chance to like learn from Donald Takayama, having Jeff Hackman take me around France and show me Gitchery and all these other big wave spots, you know, when I was a kid. And, and I invite the, the newer generations to really spend time. You know, it's like Joel is so great because he is such a historian in that way. I mean, he's so great for so many reasons that said he just knows so much about the stories and the lineage and the history of surfing. You know, it's all right there. It's all accessible. And so I think that that's something that we had a, a lot of respect for our elders as kids. And that's what I invite all the all this newer generation to have that same sort of like respect and awe and ask questions and get to know people because they have stories and those stories are radical. I totally agree with you. And I was just looking up the name of someone whose Instagram I love, which is at Shark Girl Kim, Kim McKenzie. Again, another just amazing historian like Joel Tudor. And she shares so much cool stuff from women surfing from like the 50s and onwards and like so many posts about Linda Benson and just like all these amazing like glass ceiling shattering badass ladies from then up until this point and it's like Instagram's almost an amazing platform now for people like that to kind of share that history and it's it's a really good place to actually find it and absorb it because yes it is actually rad going down to libraries and hunting and finding books and doing it yourself but then when you've got guys like Joel and then Shark Girl Kim like putting all this amazing content out there I'm like damn, this is actually what Instagram is nice for because sometimes you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, social media <laughs> just like it just can give me, give you a headache. Do you know what I mean? Social media is like a barbed double-edged sword. It has its beautiful moments with stuff like this. And I think it's so cool. Like, yeah, guys like Joel and her just like 
are chronicling like all these special moments and sharing like magazines they've collected from back then and just cool history that's so rad to read about. Totally. And it was also maybe that cool history was like 50 years ago. You know, it's like that is like, or 60 years ago. It's it's really in our timeline relatable. You know, it's like when I told you I was taking my friend Kathy down to Malibu, all of a sudden the other Kathy, the actual real Gidget was down there on the beach that day. And she just walks up. She's like, hey, have you seen Julie? I was like, oh, we were just out in the water with her. And then other Kathy, my friend was like, who's that? I'm like, that's the original Gidget. That's like who that is. And they're just like, everybody's just hanging out. It's like, that's the thing. It's like attainable and it's so beautiful. And that history is so in our face and available at all times if we just want to jump into it. And yeah, Shark Girl Kim, like she's doing Mm -hmm. some cool stuff and Joel Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's funny. I was down the beach hosting a retreat with my friend Leah at Sano, uh, our salty sensations thing. And all of a sudden this guy, David comes and starts chatting with us. And I didn't even know this, but the old man's palapa at San Onofre was originally built by women and the whole women's surf club. And he, I bought this literally, it's like the history of surfing at Sano. It's insane. It's a 12 pound book. I bought it from him for my dad for Father's Day. Um, and this was just two, two weeks ago. Yeah, good gift. I was also like, can I carry this thing? Like, um, I bought that from him and he's got a whole hundred and something pages on women in there. Like, chron- you know, it's incredible. And and I learned from him that day that it was women who built the old man's hut. And it's called old man's, but it was the ladies who did it originally. And that was rad because we gather all these women together for these retreats at that hut. So like, it's also like that energy was calling us forward and we're being so embraced by that place. And so I just think that kind of stuff's interesting as well. You know, how places have a certain energy and they pull people in and, you know, you go down to San Onofre, you go to Malibu, you go to all these places and they're like frozen in time in a way. And I think that's so sweet so magical that you discovered that like how cool is that I feel like there's some really nice books actually coming out um in recent years like chronicling the history of women surfing and I feel like there's still another place for like if shark girl Kim were to do one I'm just like Kim, like like DMing her on Instagram you know like wanting to get her for an interview or like ghost write a book for her I mean Kim if you're listening I still want to do that yeah <laughs> but, that's um, what's up that's what's up so I mean gosh yeah we talked about you know like the start of your career and it just sounds it's such a beautiful beginning and looking at your career and work and you've really come through so many ebbs and flows of women surfing and like the flux of states and there's been lots of changes in the years and I feel like you emerged at this time maybe when there was still like quite a big sexualization of female athletes um and like we only have to look at films like Girls Can't Surf I don't know if you've seen that which came out recently and it was um basically this amazing documentary featuring uh like Wendy Botha and then like later on Lisa Anderson and just like all the shit they went through Mm. um and like they would like cancel the women's segment of competitions but run the bikini competition like stuff like that it's highly worth a watch if we're talking about like amazing sources of women's history Mm -hmm. um yeah I feel like you almost kind of like coming out at the tail end of that and then with your like you know surf flair and skill and then Later, your business acumen with your business and wetsuit development, it's had such a big impact on women surfing. And if we're looking at the portrayal of women specifically now in surfing, how do you feel about how it is that now versus when you started as a young team? Gosh, I mean, yeah, I think I did really come through on the other side of that because people ask me often, like, did you ever feel like, you know, it was a male dominated world and that you had a hard time? And I really feel like all all the guys around us were part of our community and they were really supportive. I mean, like between Joel and Dylan Jones and, you know, Dame Peterson, Josh Farbro, everybody around me, Donald was so supportive of women in the water and women surfing. You know, it's like Linda Benson was one of Donald's best friends. You know, they would like help carry each other's boards down because it was more of like a tribe, you know? And then I think through the 80s and 90s, 
especially early 90s, I think there was this over-sexualization. It probably started happening in the 70s. And I think that it really started happening when like competition became a bigger thing because it, it was that competitive energy, I think, that was like, and not to be gender specific, but I think it was that competitive nature that was also like a little dominant and domineering. And that was kind of like a male archetype, you know, a little bit. And, and you know, kind of like that masculine energy of kind of like, you know, warrior stuff, right? And I think that that's maybe when, you know, it sounds like timeline wise, that's maybe when a lot of women started to get, you know, that canceled and it was over-sexualized and the bikini contest stuff. And then it think, felt like things started to soften, especially within longboarding, you know, like longboarding was a little different. And when I came on the scene, everybody was so supportive of the ladies and I really felt like a lot of stoke and encouragement around my community. And it was so awesome. And I feel like that has grown. And women have so much respect now in the water, especially within the longboarding world. Like everybody's really like stoked on each other and supporting each other. So I feel very lucky to have grown up in that time. And it's also sad because you hear these stories of some of these women that have really like gone through the hard time, you know? And I think that that's like, you know, it's like we're getting more and more every day. We're getting more respect and equality. And there's so many women who have been on the front lines um, really asking for that and advocating for that. And I want to just honor each and every one of them. I mean, I think we really see it in the big wave arena and what the big wave women are have been dealing with and going through and also like, you know, kind of putting their flag down and being like, hey, like we are out here like literally risking our lives please respect us. And, and that's coming through, you know? So I'm just like, so happy to see that because it's obviously like, we're all people and we should all be respected equally. And in that it's amazing that women are getting equal pay, not just within the surf world in the bigger, you know, like world in general. I think that like surfing is like a, a micro, you know what I mean? Like a little microcosm for the macrocosm. So as we see things and trends out in the world, it's also happening within the surf world in like a smaller way that we can witness. So I think like kind of also the world is embracing femininity more and that kind of like balance of polarities. And it brings such a, a fantastic energy. And yeah, you mentioned sort of the ladies who really were like booting that down the door to ensure pay parity. Ladies like Kiala Kennelly, who was actually our first guest on this podcast, and we really talked about that. And it's, I think surfing was actually the first sport where pay parity was introduced, which is freaking cool, to be honest, because yeah. surf, surfing was, is, was, is it still? That's actually a good debate. A counterculture sport, you know, it was like a sport on the sidelines. It's now the cool kid in the room. It's actually pretty rad that it was the first sport to introduce that totally i mean i think it's huge and again it's the sport of queen so of course it would be and it's also about people like not being afraid to stand up you know there was so many women like the lisas and the kaolas and you know the lane beachleys and you know um pauline menser and before them wendy botha and and you know um linda benson and you know rel sun and all these people that really kind of like were going and doing it and and were some of like you know the early women to do it you know i got the opportunity um you know to hang out with Vicky Flaxman. And she was the first person to go down the line on a surfboard. And this was in the thirties and everybody was riding kook boxes and somebody made her and her friends some like more kind of like softer rail boards that were smaller and lighter. And so she could go down the line and shoot the curl. And everybody at that time was just going straight and it was a woman. So that's freaking awesome. And hearing her stories was incredible. You know, so I think like, I think there's just so much, you know, and, and there's just so much opportunity for us women and, you know, women are really just going out and, and putting their stamp down and supporting each other. And it's beautiful to see. And it's also to see like amazing to see the rest of the bigger world kind of embrace that energy as well, you know, cause it's like, it's, sh it should all be created equal, you know, it's like, why wouldn't it be? It's ridiculous that it's not. You know, especially like women are out there risking their lives, surfing Nazare, just like the dudes are. Why wouldn't they get paid the same? That's insane. You know? Exactly. And 
Well, my next question, I just wanted to like raise a little flag and be like, yes, because you mentioned Ralph's son and she comes up so much in interviews. I'm also a big Ralph's son fan. And I interviewed, I think, uh, a friend of yours, Leah Dawson. She's the best. About her style icons. And um, also like other people I've like talked about in interviews and everyone's like, well, son. And it's just so cool if you like go on YouTube and just hunt down imagery of Ralph's son and just like what she was doing back then and just like, oh, it's just like the best thing ever. Just like observing the way she like surfed and like surf crafts she would ride. And it's just the most amazing, amazing surfing to see, right? I mean, it's incredible. And I think that, you know, as you talk about it, like outside my window, a butterfly just flew by. And I think that's what it is. It's like really what I never had the opportunity to meet her. I only heard stories about her from people like Donald who knew her well to really everybody. You know, I, I hear all these stories, but her energy is palpable and the energy of community the spirit of like what aloha really truly felt to mean, you know, it was like this all encompassing embracing sunshine that like warmed everybody's heart and soul and was just like inviting everybody into the party and being a part of community and giving, giving, really giving, you know, as you give, you receive. And that kind of energy, that like full circular, you know, kind of sustainable act of really what it's like to be in community and to, you know, support the future generations and to really radiate. There was this energy of sun. You know, it's interesting. Her name was Ral Sun. This energy of sunshine that felt like it, like just seeing images and videos and seeing her smile and seeing her surf. It was just like this radiating energy of the sunshine that I think like, how could you not be changed by that? How could you not be inspired by that? How could you not be like opened by that, you know, that heat of the sun? And so I think that that really, you know, was something that a lot of people, like I never personally met her, as I said, but I could feel that it was palpable. And I think when really people are living in their truth and, and radiating who they are and giving back to community, it is felt. Um, and it's felt and it's timeless. You can see a photo and it can change you. You know, you can really feel that. And I, it's so, it's so powerful, you know, like, wow, you know, what an inspiration. And she still is. And that's the thing. And it's like, that's something that it's like being that light is, is huge. And it's what you can put out into the world. And that's why I think it's so important to like, be who you are in the world, like smile at people, like radiate that light, because who knows what somebody's going through. It can really open up their world. You see somebody in the water and you smile at them and you cheer for them if they're riding a good wave. Like, I love doing that. And people say like, we love it when you're in the water because everybody's stoked, you know, like water is a conductor of energy. It expands energy. So whatever we bring to the water is going to radiate outward. And if you think about how 70% of our earth is covered in water, you know, on that way, if we're bringing love and gratitude and encouragement and collaboration and compassion and, you know, grace to the water, it's going to expand and hit everybody around you. You know, it's like you can tell, right? It's like if you're bringing that stoke or if somebody's out in the water and they're having a grumpy day, you can kind of feel that vibe and it kind of changes the lineup. And if people paddle out and they're just like stoked and like screaming for each other and having a fun time, that changes the scope of the lineup. So I think too, that's like an invitation. It's like, be like Rel, you know, be that stoke, you know, be that sunshine around you and watch how it totally reorganizes the entire landscape around you. So beautifully put. And, um, I feel like Be Like Rel should be like a t-shirt or we should get, <laughs> there should be like a Kickstarter for a movie about Relson if there isn't already one. But yeah, if you're listening, totally. I would beseech you to go and consume as much Relson media as you can because it's just absolutely wonderful. And you're so right. Like the power of an image has such an effect on you. And I mean, if we're looking at someone like you, it's like those images of you as a young athlete and up to now, like have such impact on people. I saw photos of you and I was like, fucking hot damn. Like, what is this? Like, witchcraft and would like head out into the water and like try longboarding for the first time. Do you know what I mean? 
it's important, you know, it's like, we're here to inspire each other and empower each other. And I think like the water is a perfect vehicle and vessel for that. Surfing is a perfect vehicle and vessel. And, and really it's about, yeah, again, like radiating our light, like who are you and who are we and how can we really kind of like put ourselves out there in a cool way? Like what mark are we going to leave and how are we going to learn ourselves more? And I think that's also what's amazing about the water. Just as it's like that thing that like infuses you with stoke and inspiration and all these things, it, it also is the thing that can break us open and, and push ourselves to know ourselves more fully. You know, and we face our biggest fears and we face our biggest like challenges and we face ourselves in a different way. And there's nobody but ourselves with ourselves in that moment. We can't just press stop, you know? And so I think that's what's so amazing as well about the water. It's like some days the water is like soft and warm and it embraces us like a hug and everything's perfect. In some ways it's a little rough sometimes and you know, we have to find our flow and like hold that rail through the like rough patches to make it around. And, you know, I think really the water is everything. And, you know, um, from an energetic perspective, it's, you know, water's the gateway to the emotions and feelings in that way too. So in that kind of gateway, like we're going to have days that we get out there that are hard. And in those hard moments, we're going to know ourselves more fully. And it's going to make those beautiful moments where everything seems to flow and there's like rainbows and all the waves are coming to you. And you're just like, yeah, I'm on today. Even that much more beautiful and powerful, you know? And, and that's what I love about, about just surfing in the ocean. You just never know what you're going to get. It's true. What One day, every day is different, right? And you're yeah. so right. I feel like you learn so much about your own tenacity and limits fun or joy like literally every day is different there's so much magic in that um, and now if you think about like the word trailblazing which I feel gets bandied around quite a lot like so is a trailblazer so is to be fair a lot of people are. but we <laughs> talked about your surfing itself but then equally you've made some incredible moves um which have informative women surfing from a business side so if we look at your company, Cassia Surf, Cassia with the little plus sign in the middle, Surf. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been the face of Roxy and you've been riding for Roxy for years. And yeah, I remember your wetsuit collection you made with them. Um, and I had one of those first suits. I think it was like the gray and black and it had like black knees. And I was just like, it was so amazing because I think back then it was like the shrink it and pink it years of like, the surf industry, right? They would just like take men's products, shrink it and pink it. There wasn't really that much consideration for feminine shape, but also the variety of feminine shape and ages mm. and just like what women might want to wear at 18 versus like 48 years old. Mm -hmm. So when you brought your business out, it almost, and actually that collection with Roxy, it was like the kickstart of this new era where women could really begin to find high quality suits, especially with your company then, um, with more flair and more style and also showcasing more women wearing them, um, which has always been so awesome to see. And we still see if you tune into Cassie's Instagram channel and her website. So like, talk me through like how that move into your company started exactly. What led to that? Yeah. I mean, it makes me so pumped that you had one of those original suits that we made with Roxy. It had like the little kind of like fire green on it, like that little like, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And for me, the whole shrink it and pink it or throw a hibiscus flower on something and that means it's feminine was like so not my vibe. And growing up in Southern California, I was in a wetsuit more than I was ever in a bathing suit. So for me, it wasn't what we wore on land. It was what we wore in the water that was really helping us to embrace our own personal style. And that's why I got so inspired to make wetsuits. And I was so frustrated with Roxy because again, it was the shrink it and pink it or, or throw a hibiscus flower on it. And I was like, dude, you know what? I love flowers, but like, this is some cheesy stuff. Like, please let me make something different and something fun and, and inspirational and aspirational, you know, that would like really like push people and, and also be like more for myself as a woman that I'm growing to be, you know, and it was so awesome to have the opportunity to make wetsuits for six seasons with those guys. I made a bunch of different collaborations and I learned a lot about wetsuits and wetsuit design. And I also learned my limits with them. 
and the big companies that are focused on the bottom line. You know, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more eco stuff. I wanted to make things that could last longer. I wanted to do things that were wilder and it didn't really match their bottom line and price point. And I was like, geez, I mean, people are spending like twice as much money on a bathing suit when a wetsuit is a technical piece that we have to rely on. And that's when I decided to leave. You know, at at that point, I had been with them for almost 15 years of my life. And, you know, a lot of things were changing within the company. It was just like a lot of the people that I was working with and the part that felt like a family was changing and, and everything changes. That's life. That's energy. Everything has like, you know, like look at nature. We talked about flowers. Like everything has its like the seed and then it grows into a flower and then it dies off. So it felt like it was in that kind of like die off and transformation phase. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to resign my contract. I'm out of here. I want to go make wetsuits for women. Like I was 30 years old at that time. Like I think I was 32 when I left. Like, I want to make something for myself and my friends. Like, I don't, you know, there's enough of these like big companies that are making things for the youth market, which is great. But I want to make things for myself and my peers that are better quality with more thought when it came to our impact on the environment, you know, with a end of life cycle opportunity for the wetsuits um, and just like making you know, like honestly to just making shit more rad in the way that I want to see it. So that's when I just left and started Cassia Surf and kind of right after I left Roxy, like Kelly Slater left Quicksilver, like there was a big changeover and we all started kind of doing our thing, you know? And, um, I was excited to start it. And I think I was talking to the woman who's now asking for those things. And I was a little bit ahead of it at that time. I'm like, you know what? All these women who are going away for these yoga trips and going to empower themselves, who are doing surfing on the side or maybe getting into surfing at a later time in their life are actually going to be going for surf trips and yoga is going to be on the side, you know, and they're going to start to change their lives and getting empowered. And, and we're seeing that now. There's so many women and it's so awesome. And so that's the person that I wanted to make these wetsuits for. The person that like had their life, maybe they had their family, they had their career and they're like, okay, what's next? How am I going to continue to push myself? How am I going to continue to create community and have new feelings and see where I can continue to grow and expand? And, and those are the women that I'm meeting. And those are the women that I'm creating things for, like women like yourself, women like myself, women like my friends and peers and these people that I'm meeting. Um, and it is so awesome. I'm like so inspired and I get to do what I want to do, not focused on the bottom line. Like, okay, yeah, I want to use the best materials I possibly can. And yeah, it's going to be a little bit more expensive and whatever. Like if we're creating things that last a little bit longer, um, if we're creating things out of more conscious materials, if we're giving a, a vessel for people to recycle their wetsuits with us so they don't end up in landfills, that's like a way forward, you know? And, and two, it gives me an opportunity, like nothing I do makes sense by a business standpoint because I'm never focused on the bottom line. And that's actually what I also like to teach people surfing wise. It's like wherever we're looking, that's where we're going. So if we're looking at the bottom line, we're going to the bottom. If we're looking down, that's where we're going. So look up and see what's possible. You know, we offset our carbon footprint by, you know, supporting sea trees, which is reseeding our kelp forests, you know, which that's a huge part of the global carbon cycle. 70% of the carbon gets sequestered in the sea. So these sea trees are imperative to that, you know, balance on the planet. So it's just like all these things that like were hopes and dreams and what I wanted to do, I get to do. And if I, you know, as a business runs, it doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. And that's why I'm still kind of doing it on my own. Cause it's like, whatever. I mean, everything's possible because we exist. So I'm just going to do things that feel right and make things that I want to make and do it in the way that I want to do it. And it feels good to me. That's so epic. And like, I love this kind of like idea in my head. I've got this like seed germinating while you're at Roxy and like wanting to make shit more rad and like be able to speak to different women. And then it's like snowballing effects of what that can do and like type of women that are coming on these retreats and that has on their lives. And 
just by having well-performing kit and taking into consideration like the impact of its life cycle i mean everything you did with your business you're right you might have been roxy you're probably like one step ahead of your time but now it's actually like full germination isn't it? it's so cool seeing how many women are out there now that they can get access to also kits got a freaking flower on it or paint or you, you know it's like a man's wetsuit shrunk and looks horrendous and feels horrendous and lets water in and probably disintegrates with any in the landfill totally that's it. And nothing's perfect. We're all learning. You know, I think we're constantly learning. At one point it was like, oh, using recycled water bottles. And now we're realizing that those recycled plastics and those like bioplastics are actually worse because they do visually break down. That said, they don't break down fully. And so those microplastics are what's hard to actually get out of stuff. So it's like, oh, that was like an awesome opportunity. Whoa, recycled water bottles. Amazing. We're getting rid of this trash. Oh, wait, now we're learning that's actually not better. You know, it's like we, I think at this point we need to be, you know, um, we need to not beat ourselves up. We need to also just be open to constantly change as these times are changing. We are learning as a species more ways to be adaptable. And we're learning, you know, as we put energy towards different solutions, there's more solutions available. And maybe we find out that some solutions that we thought were amazing aren't. And that's okay because we need to like, go through that and learn. And that's what pushes evolution. You know, it's like you learn the most from eating it, you know, you learn the most from falling on what not to do. So I think like humanity's in a little place where we're like fumbling over ourselves right now. And sometimes we make a couple strides forward and then we fall back and then, but it's just like, I want to be a part of the solution. You know, I want to constantly adapt and learn and evolve and, and have these conversations and see how we can do things better, you know? Um, and so I think that that's also part of the energy. It's allowing for that. And then too, it's just like so rad to see so many more women in the water. It's so awesome to see people like pushing themselves in this different way um, and getting to connect with like-minded community. Like all of a sudden me and my, you know, one of my best friends, Leah Dawson, who, you know, started doing, you know, it's like the emergence out of emergency is what I'm inspired by. You know, like, okay, we are in a global crisis when it comes to a lot of things, when it comes to materials and, and you know, um, like our overproduction and over need for things, you know, wetsuits are like a utilitarian product. You know, we need wetsuits to get in the water or else we might have frostbite and other things. It's like something we actually need. We don't need like the same t-shirt in 25 colors, you know? So it's like, okay, as it's a utilitarian product, how can we create it in the best way forward and know that, you know, sometimes we're maybe not doing things the right way, but, you know, as we continue to push, there's other opportunities. Um, and this is the same thing. The emergence of emergency is how I started doing these retreats with one of my best friends, Leah Dawson, you know, is like the world shut down. It was a pandemic. Uh, we couldn't gather. So all these retreats I was doing internationally, we couldn't do. And then everything was on fire in California and we couldn't even go outside. And she came over and we were sitting around the kitchen table with all these air filters happening. And I was like, man, Leah, I just want to like be outside with people. And so we're like, oh, okay. Like maybe let's just like get some campsites and like have like a little staycation retreat. Nobody could travel, but people wanted to get together. And we started these salty sensation surfing camp retreats. And we thought it was just going to be kind of like a one-off thing and, and they just keep growing. We don't even promote them. They're already filled, you know, and we're meeting new people. We brought on Michaela Smith, who is both of our one of favorite surfers. Like we love Michaela. We've known her since she was a kid. You know, Andy Nieblis, who's one of my favorite loggers. He comes and helps us out. You know, now we're creating this whole community and through that, Anya, who's our chef, connected us with these epic ladies in Ireland called Rebel Surf. So we're coming to Ireland and we're doing a couple Salty Sensations collaborations with these radical women in Ireland. You know, and I think that that is just so exciting because I think that's the, the power of surfing. Again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, it was that community aspect that really brought us together. 
You know, it was that community aspect. I would travel, I would go to places and people would invite me into their home, be like, oh, crash on my couch. Oh, you have a car, sleep in the driveway. Oh, you have a tent, put it up, like come hang out, you know? So it's like, we meet these women and we're like, yeah, let's co-create together. There's this community element of what we can all do together. And I think that's what continues to inspire me. And that's what gets me so fired up. And we get to like, I haven't been to Europe in so long. I love Europe. Being able to offer something for like more of kind of the European community of female surfers, like amazing. You know, we get to all be together in this beautiful place. And yeah, it's not tropical. I love wetsuits. Like, let's do this, you know? Like, and that's, I think, that spirit of surfing and aloha that we were talking about with the Rel Sun. And that's, you know, and we're talking about with like what is surfing in the community. It's a it's a global family that you all share that heart over the ocean. And it's what brings us all together. And that's, I think, what continues to push me forward. It's that same spirit that I put into the company Cassia Surf. And it's also that same spirit that we put into these like surf retreats. And it's what I just want to like continue to grow worldwide because we're really growing our tribe, you know, and all supporting each other. It's epic. Treats just look so epic as well, and the one the one in Ireland, I've definitely got my eyeballs on. It looks it looks really fantastic, and I just love yeah your approach to all your creative outlets projects is just inspiring. And another thing I found that you said in an interview once that I was like I freaking love this. <laughs> People need to chill out. At the end of the day, it's surfing. People writing pieces of foam on the water. I think you said that in 2013, and I absolutely love that statement. And just hearing you talk about everything surfing-wise, like people can get so hot-headed about surfing, and especially like more the competitive side, but still like, you know, anger can come into lineups. Surfing's a busier sport now, but more people. But I just love that statement because I was like, she's right. And just how you describe everything and just it's got this beautiful energy to it that's just so fresh and beautiful to hear described that reminds you of like my surfing so freaking rad it's so true and surfing is so freaking rad <laughs> and two it's like when anybody takes themselves seriously like too seriously in the water it's like chill i really feel like that it's like we're literally riding a piece of foam wrapped in fiberglass on waves this is so magical that we get to have this experience the fact that you're able to be out there and literally have, it's truly like a dance with creation. Like only one wave is ever going to break that same way. It's a moment in time that you're tapping into and having an opportunity to be a part of. That is such a gift. There's so much magic in that. If we're like taking ourselves seriously and getting pissed off if somebody snakes us or whatever, it's like, go for it. Like ride this wave with me, like have at it, you know, like let's just be, this is such a gift that we even have this opportunity to be experiencing this moment right now. And this moment is only this moment is only this moment. And there's never going to be a moment like this again. That rules. Like when we really kind of break down and kind of come out of it and be like, wow, you know? So I also like, yeah, I invite everybody to really feel into that, that only one moment like this ever exists and never again. And how special it is to be here, to have this breath, to have this opportunity to talk with you, to have this opportunity to share the ocean, to share a wave, to share these things. That's like, I mean, it's a gift of being, you know, in a body and having these feelings and having this opportunity to experience special indeed and um, it's been such a special hour with you i could probably do another three i mean completely honest i'd probably go get like a red wine and be like i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> but that is gonna so beautifully take me to my final question which i've been asking all the epic ladies i'm guessing this retreat um this podcast which is ultimately would you like your legacy to be wow i mean i guess like ultimately my legacy, just like a static joy, collaboration, and community. That's it. You know, those couple words, it's just like, you know, what we do together is always so much better. And let's have the best time we possibly can. 
doing it and empower and inspire each other to make this place better than we found it. You know, it's like, that's what it's about to me. How can we make better? How can we learn? How can we grow? How, we, how can we forgive ourselves and each other and keep on expanding? Life is such a gift. And the fact that we get to be here together on this earth, on this planet at this time is such a special mystery that we are all a part of. Beautiful and pertinent words to finish on. Finish on, And I just like, thank you so much for being a guest on the drop-in sessions. We're so unbelievably stoked to have you and I cannot wait to share this with the world. Awesome <laughs> woman. You have a beautiful evening and go get that red wine and maybe we'll have a chat next time with some wine involved. I love it.